for a few moments as you open your heart to listen to what I believe the Holy Spirit would speak to us. Now, I was going to start a sermon series today, but as I was studying, I felt like I needed to postpone it till next week. And so I want to share something that I feel like the Lord wants me to share today. And starting next week, I'm going to do a sermon series called Witchcraft in the Church. So it's going to go three weeks, and I'm asking you to be here for the next three weeks as we endeavor to engage the Scriptures and understand what it means and how witchcraft operates in our society and how witchcraft can influence the church. And so I'm encouraging you to invite somebody the next three weeks as we start the sermon series, Witchcraft in the Church. But today, I want to start, uh, I, I just want to preach a sermon uh, uh, today on called Strength from the Lord. And so just very simple, uh, but it's something that I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you today. Lord, add the blessing to the preaching of your word, for I cannot preach without you. And let everything that be said bring you the glory. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Now the Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 40, beginning with verse number 27, If you don't have a Bible, you can quickly just read it behind me on the screens and listen to what the prophet said in Isaiah 40, verse number 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and and the claim is passed over my God? Have you not heard, have you not known, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is he weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And the church said, Strength from the Lord. As I was reading this passage, we first must understand the historical context of what's happening here. Sometimes I like to just dive right into the Word and see how it is applicable to your life. But in order for me to really be a student of the Word, it's important that I just tell you what's actually happening in this context. The people of Judah, which is God's people, are in a foreign land. They're in Babylon. They had been there for several years. And the prophet Jeremiah said in chapter 29 of his book that they they were going to be there for 70 years. So can you imagine living in a foreign country for 70 years, adapting to a foreign culture, relearning different languages and different foods? They were in captivity for 70 long years. And if you're a Bible student, you know that the Babylonians destroyed their land, destroyed their temple, took some of their people, and took them to Babylon. It's kind of equivalent of Russia coming in here, destroying our land, and taking us to their land. It's kind of equivalent. Not the greatest analogy, but you get. These people were God's people, and they were were taken to a different land, serving in a different culture relearning different languages. They felt as though they were in bondage. And they were in bondage. They were captives. And these people were very discouraged. 
Because they were thinking, God, do you even see me anymore? God, do you even understand us anymore? God, I know I've sinned. I know that the reason why I'm in captivity is because we worshiped foreign gods and you told us not to do it. But we did it anyway. And because of our sin, we are now in captivity. They realized that. But these people were very discouraged because they thought that their failure was final. They thought that they had failed so much that there was no hope, no redemption, and no restitution. And they begin to ask God, God, is there any hope for us anymore? Do you have any hope for us? Is there a future for us? As a people of God, as a community of God, as children of Abraham, is there a future for us? Does our sin annihilate your promise? Do you have a future for us? I mean, can you imagine these people asking those questions? Will God ever work again? Will God ever do what he said he was going to do? Is his glory going to come back to the temple? Can you imagine those people reminiscing the golden years of how God showed up in the temple? The Bible says in Exodus 33 that the power of God was so strong that they couldn't even stand up to minister. These people were now in bondage. And they were reminiscing the old days. They were hoping that God would deliver them. They're asking a question. And sometimes, my friends, when you find yourself in a crisis of faith, you begin to question God. There's nothing wrong with asking God a question. But it is wrong questioning God. It's wrong to challenge God, but there's nothing wrong to ask God a question. And here it's interesting to me that in verse number 27, the people said, God, have you not hidden your way from us? My way is hidden from the Lord. These people are saying, Lord, you've hidden from us. You've you've passed us by. And it's interesting in verse number 28, God says, well, have you not known and have you not heard? It's interesting to me that God acknowledged, he acknowledged their pain but he never affirmed their pain. He never pitied their pain. He acknowledged their pain, but he didn't affirm it. And listen, my friends, these people were in a desperate situation. They were in a crisis of faith, and they're wondering where God is at. In fact, you'll know in the Bible, in Jeremiah chapter 29, God says, listen, my plan is is for you to stay in that foreign land 70 years. And my question today is, if God don't deliver you, if God doesn't really answer your prayer for deliverance, then how are you going to make it through? My friends, the reason you're going to make it through is because you're going to get strength from the Lord to make it through. Sometimes God doesn't deliver you from the fiery furnace. Sometimes you've got to walk through the fiery furnace, but he will be with you and he will strengthen you to walk through it. Sometimes he doesn't deliver you from the lion's den. He gives you the strength to endure it. And my friends, the people of God had to endure it. They were not delivered from the tribulation. They were not delivered from the crisis. God gave them the strength to endure it. My friends, the enemy wants to take you out. The enemy wants to lie to you and say it's not worth it. 
The enemy wants to lie to you and bombard your mind and bombard your heart and tell you that it's not worth it. But I've come with a word from God to tell you today, it is worth it. Life is worth living. The sun's going to shine again. And God, the everlasting God, is going to give you the strength to walk through what you need to walk through. He's going to be with you. There's strength from the Lord. And here the prophet is declaring on behalf of the Lord that God is going to strengthen His people. He's going to mount them up as eagles. and They're going to run and not faint. They're going to walk and not be weary. He's going to give them the strength to endure what they need to endure in Babylon. But you're not in Babylon. But you may be in a spiritual Babylon. You may be in a place where you feel like you don't know what to do. You may be... You may feel like you're in a spiritual maze and you don't know how to get out of it. Oh, but I've come with a word to tell you that I serve a God that knows how to strengthen His people. He knows how to bring you out. Because we don't serve a God that avoids issues. We serve a God who gives us the power to overcome things. You put me in Egypt and I'm going to overcome it. You put me in the Red Sea and I'm going to walk through it. You put me in the fiery furnace and I'm going to come through it. You put me on the cross and I'm going to get up three days later. I am going to overcome this thing. And all throughout the Bible, you see how God's strength causes people to overcome things. How do you get strength? When you find yourself in the crisis of faith, how do you find strength? Well, I'm glad you're here today because I'm going to give you three principles And how you can receive strength from the Lord no matter what you're going through. Now my friends, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. You know, I I, I really am. I'm preaching to myself. There's been situations that happened to me personally. You know, I had a couple people, my family, uh, pass away of uh, meth and overdose. And sometimes that mentally bothers you. and, And sometimes you just need strength. And I'm not here to have a pity party. I'm just letting you know I serve a God that can strengthen you. Serve a God that can bring you out. Serve a God that can bring you peace. I I, I serve a God that can make a wilderness into a valley of water. I serve a God who can make mountains gush forth with springs of living water. I serve a God who can do what you can't do. How can I get strength from the Lord? Well, the first thing you can get strength from the Lord is number one. If you want strength from the Lord, number one, you've got to remember, you've got to worship God. Now, I know that that is not a, a, a deep revelation for you, but it is true. You have to worship God. If you're going to receive strength from the Lord, you've got to remember to worship Him. Now, look at verse number 27. 27. Look at what the people are saying. The people are saying, Lord, you forgot about us. You're hidden from us. You see the desperation of these people. I want you to look at verse number 28. And I want you to see what God says. Well, have you not known? Have you not heard? This is what the prophet is saying about God. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. What does that have to do with worship? You see in verse number 27 that these people are perplexed. They think that God has forgotten about them because they find themselves in a crisis of faith. But the prophet is echoing what God is saying. God is simply saying, have you forgot me? Don't you remember what I used to do? 
Have you not known? This is a question that God is asking. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Did you forget that I was an everlasting God? Did you forget that I was the creator of the ends of the earth? Do you, did you forget that I neither sleep nor slumber? Do you, did you forget that? And sometimes when we find ourselves in a crisis of faith, we have spiritual amnesia. We forget what God did years ago. And these people were in a crisis of faith. And when you find yourself in a crisis of faith, you have a tendency to forget what God did for you years ago. And the prophet is reminding these people, have you not heard? Have you not? Don't you understand that we serve an everlasting God? He doesn't get sleepy. He's not slumbering. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. And he hasn't forgot you in your crisis of faith. Do you know what worship is? Worship is acknowledging God's character and God's nature in the midst of your crisis. That no matter where you find yourself in, you've got to readjust your spiritual eyes. And you've got to look at God's character. You've got to look at God's nature. You've got to understand that if God did it for them, God could do it for me because that is God's nature. That is God. That's who God is. And I've come today not to worship for what God does. I come to worship him because I know who he is and I know what he said. And I know that if he did it for them, he can do it for me. Hallelujah. Worship is acknowledging God's character and God's nature. It's, it's readjusting your viewpoint and realizing That my faith is not based upon feelings. My faith is not based upon the events that happen around me. There is something on the inside of me that is resolved. There is something on the inside of me that is strong. Because I find my security not in miracles and not in superstition. I find my security in the knowledge of the word of God. In his character. In his nature. If he did it then he can do it now. My faith is strong. Because my faith is found in the character of God. It's in the character of God. The prophet said he's everlasting. The prophet said he's a creator of all things to the ends of the earth. And the prophet said that he's, he doesn't faint nor does he get weary. You know what the prophet is saying? He's saying that God, he's everlasting, which means he's in charge all the time. Second of, all, second of all, he said, he's the creator of the ends of the earth, which means he's in charge everywhere. And lastly, God said that he neither faints nor get weary, which means he's all powerful. And you know what the prophet is saying? He's saying, listen, I know you're discouraged. I know you're upset. I know you feel as though that God has left you and you find yourself in the maze of faith. You find yourself disheartened and discouraged. I know your heart is broken in a million pieces. But let me remind you that when you worship God, you will begin to see that God is in charge of everything. God is in charge everywhere. And that God is all powerful. And that is why I can worship God in the midst of crisis. Because He is all powerful. You got to remember to worship God. Number two... How, how do I get strength in the crisis of faith? Number two, you got to remember your weaknesses. you got to remember to acknowledge your weaknesses. Because verse number 29 says this, He gives power to the weak. 
And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. You see that? Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord. You know what he said? Look at it. Verse number 29. 29, he said he gives power to the weak. In other words, he's saying those people who are weak, those people who feel like they can't make it, he says, I'm going to give power to you. In other words, I'm not selfish with my strength. I'm going to empower you. Listen, I've learned one thing. An attitude of self-sufficiency will automatically disqualify you of divine enablement. The moment that you think that you are self-sufficient, the moment that you think that you can do it yourself will disqualify you from divine enablement. In other words, he says, I'm going to give strength to the power. Why? I'm going to give strength to those who are powerless. I'm going to give strength to those who are weary. Because when you come to the end of yourself and realize you don't got the resources, you don't have what it takes, that is when God can give you his strength. Because if you can do it in your own power, you can get the glory. But when you find strength in God's power, then he gets the glory. Now, I'm, I, don't, I don't watch wrestling, but I found a cool illustration. So will you bear with me? Now, Muhammad, is it Ali? Did I say that right? Well, praise the Lord. He's a U.S. boxer. Are you all proud of me? So anyway... Muhammad Ali, he got on the plane, and this is, they said this was true, he got on the plane years ago. He got on the plane, and uh, the flight attendant came by to Muhammad Ali and said, Sir, you need to buckle up, we're getting ready to, uh, uh, to take off, and you need to buckle up. He says, Ma'am, you don't know who you're talking to. I'm Superman, and I don't need to buckle up. The woman looked at him and said, Dude, who do you think you are? He said, I'm Muhammad Ali. And I don't need to buckle up on your airplane. I'm Superman. And she looked at him and she put her glasses down on her face. And, you know, she said, well, mister, you're not much of a Superman if you've got to take a plane to get to your destination. <laughs> the point of the matter is, folks, you're not as strong as you think you really are. You're not as strong as you think you really are. And there are some things that can't bring you out. Your education can't bring you out. Your money can't bring you out. Your job can't bring you out. Your family can't bring you out. The pastor can't bring you out. But there's one person that can bring you out. And he's the everlasting God. And so the prophet said, you've got to readjust your eyes. And see that he's the everlasting. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He neither faints nor gets weary. He gives strength to those who are weak. Any attitude of self-sufficiency will automatically disqualify you for divine enablement. You see, God says, I'm going to give you my strength. But you've got to be weak first. You only get my strength when you acknowledge that you're weak. Number three, how do I get strength from the Lord? Well, you've got to wait on the Lord. What you got to wait on the Lord. You know, nothing makes the heart sick like a long delay. Nothing makes the heart sick like a long delay. And can you imagine these people? These people, the people of Judah, were in Babylon for almost 70 years. No wonder these people thought God had left them. And here God is saying through the prophet, wait on the Lord. 
Now, I don't know about you folks, but I would get discouraged. I would say, Lord, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what you've been up to, but I've been here a long time. And you want me to wait? And the prophet is saying, I want you to wait. And it's hard to wait when you find yourself in a crisis. Because what do you do when you're in a crisis? You want to fix it. You want to come up with a plan. You want to hurry. John Wesley got up and preached a sermon. The 17th century revivalist. He said these words. God is not in a hurry. And he sure doesn't follow your calendar. He further said in his sermon that hurry was of the devil. Slow down. Slow down. Do you know why we got to slow down? Because it makes us come in contact with who we truly are. That's why people work a lot of, they just work, work, work. You know why? Because sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes we don't want to deal with who we truly are. We got to keep our minds busy. We can't have no quiet time because our minds are so tormented. We can't be quiet. We always got to be around people. Always got to have noise. Always got to do something. Can never sit down. Can never take a break because it, it confronts us with who we truly are. He said, You got to wait on the Lord. It's interesting. The Hebrew word for wait, W A I T, comes from a word which means. To bind together like a cord. Now it has several definitions. This is one of the definitions. The prominent definition is hope and expectation, anticipation. The second primary definition is to bind together like a cord. I thought that was interesting. Why in the world is the word weight symboled as binding together like a cord? Because I believe that God is trying to tell us that every strand and every thread of your life, God uses all the threads of your life and He binds it together according to His purpose. And when we acknowledge that everything in our life, God uses it, and God, when God uses those weak threads, God uses every thread in our life. Maybe the discarded thread. Maybe the weak thread. Maybe the discolored thread. He uses all those threads of our life and He interwoves it together. He binds it together. He uses it all for His glory. And when you submit God's plan, God's purposes, He uses every thread of your life for His glory. I like what the word says, renew. The word renew in Hebrew means this, change or exchange. So in other words, the prophet is saying this, He says this, listen, he says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. In other words, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to exchange, I want you to exchange your weakness for my strength. I want you to exchange your ashes for my beauty. I want there to be a divine exchange. And my friend, that happens when you adjust your perspective. You begin to worship. You admit there's weakness. And when you begin to do that, there's a divine exchange that happens in your life. It's interesting to me. I was studying this, and I had seen this before. And this had been on my heart for a long time, this scripture. And, and, and for weeks, I have looked at this scripture over and over. Weeks, I've, I've, I've looked at it. And I thought to myself, surely there's, there's something else in this scripture that I'm missing. 
And so how many has ever read Scripture and you kind of chew on it and you go back to it? And you go back to it and, you, and just like you're praying, Lord, just, just, just reveal to me. And I found something. Now, to be honest, I didn't, it's not all my work. I found it as I was studying through books and commentaries. But I, I found it as I searched for it. And I had never seen it before. Boy, it was enlightening to my spirit. And can I share it with you? Because I'm getting ready to close. What you find in this passage, especially in verse number 34, is what theologians call a literary device. And what you find, in, especially in the passage of verse number 31, is what they call a progression through descent. Everybody say that with me. Progression through descent. Say it again. Progression through descent. Now, if I was going to say this, if I was going to preach it, I would probably preach it like this. Look at verse number 31. If you put passage 31 up there, I want you to see the progression through descent. Now, you see, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. Everybody say, mount up. They shall run. Say, run. And they shall walk. Say, walk. Now, I, you know, with me, I probably would start with walk. Then I would go to what? Run. And then I would end it with what? Mount up. But in this scripture, it's different. It starts with what? Mount up. Then it goes to what? Run. And it goes to what? So what is the writer trying to say here? The writer is trying to say here that the goal is at the end, not the beginning. God's goal is not for you to mount up all the time. God's goal is for you to learn how to walk every day. The goal is not for you to mount up. And that's what we pray for. God, get me through this problem. God, help me to get through it. Oh God, if you give me a miracle and get me out of this, I promise you, I'll never do it. And sometimes he does mount you up. But there are times that you can't expect God to always mount you up. God's goal is to teach you to learn to walk through something so that your strength is That is why the tabernacle of Moses was not on a mountain, it was on the plain. Because God doesn't want you to fix your life upon mountain experiences. He wants you to learn how to walk plainly before Him. He wants you to learn how to walk and not always learning to, Lord, mount me up, Lord, mount me up. And we live in a crazy generation where everybody, and I want the glory, folks. I want the glory. I want the presence of God. I want revival. I want uh, what everything that God wants for me. But I also want to be mature enough to know that the same spirit that knocked me down on the floor on Sunday morning is the same spirit that will cause me to walk in holiness, will cause me to walk in character, that will cause me to walk in righteousness on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That same Jesus will teach me how to budget money. Come on, somebody. Not about just the glory. I've seen that all my life. And there's nothing wrong with it because I've done it. But the main thing is, say, the main thing is, is my life reflecting more of Jesus today than it did last year? That's what it's about, folks. Is my life reflecting more of Jesus today than it did last year and last month? And if it's not, you're not growing. If you're not challenged to go deeper, 
If you're not challenged to live a more holy life, if you're not challenged to sacrifice more and to serve more, something's wrong with the puzzle. We're coming to church with our ears being tickled and not challenged. We go to church and say, boy, that was good. And then go to the parking lot and somebody asks you, what did he preach on? I don't know, but it was good. I don't, know, I don't know a thing he said, but yet we can go down the street and listen to country music and know every word of the lyric. And somehow we can't pay attention enough in the church service to get the Word of God inside of our heart so we can take germination, so we can bring forth fruit on Monday morning. Y'all can tell I'm a pastor. Because I preach every week, every week. Preach, 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 preach. And people sit out there. That's if we're a bunch of zombies. Sometimes I just wish your soul would catch on fire. Sometimes I just wish somebody would just get a hold of it. Sometimes I just wish somebody with a light bulb would come on in your mind and you say, I got it! I got it! I got it! Instead of sitting there saying, I wish they'd get the lights fixed. The music's too loud. How many times do I have to tell you that worship isn't about you? There's only one audience and it's God. Well, pastor, well, I'll tell you what. i tell you, tell you what you need to do. Go and start a church down the street and see how, see how you can do it. Because you'll find it's much harder than what you think it is. Because nobody has to come to church. Everybody's volunteer. And it takes the Spirit of God to bring people to the house of God and to be receptive. Listen, I don't want a pity party. I'm really, I'm happy today. I'm not getting on to you. I'm just letting you know that preaching a sermon don't get the job done all the time, folks. Your faith has to be activated. That means you've got to do something. Your faith is not in your feelings. Your faith is in your feet. You've got to do something. You gotta do something. Can't just listen to sermons and sermons and sermons. You gotta do something. How do I produce fruit in my life? If your faith is not producing fruit, then you have a faulty faith. Your faith has to produce fruit. If not, it's faulty. There has to be some sort of evidence, change in your life, a pursuit of holiness and growth. Amen. Why am I so, and I'm closing, why am I so passionate about it? Folks, is because, listen, listen to Pastor Josh. Listen, listen, I've done this for 25 years and I've harped about it all the time. Grow, grow, grow. But when, people, when God really wants to grow you, most people don't know what God's trying to do. They don't. Because you know what they do? They walk in a fence. I'm offended. Going to another church. And God is saying, I thought you wanted to grow. I thought you wanted to be sanctified. I thought you wanted to be more like Jesus. But you only want to be more like Jesus when you agree with it. You only want to be more like Jesus if you agree with it and you're comfortable with it. But if you're going to be more like Jesus, you've got to understand that God's going to send people in your life that sandpaper that gets on your nerves because that's the only way you will ever grow if God don't send sandpaper in your life. Not everybody's going to be like you. And that's okay, because everything that happens in life, it happens for your sanctification. Everything. Is your faith producing fruit? Because if it's not, 
It's faulty. 